Are your kids struggling with an unwillingness to share? Are they fighting over toys or whose turn it is to ride in the front seat? Do you constantly hear, that's mine, or give that back, yelled from the other room? Can you hear my kids screaming those things right this minute while I record this podcast? Well, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's show. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. But before we get started on today's topic, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. I'm excited about this topic on when kids won't share because, well, if I'm being perfectly honest, Ginger, sharing is something I struggle with even as a grown woman. So teaching my kids how to share is sometimes a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do situation. (laughs) Um, But one of my favorite things about your teaching is that it's always grounded in the Word of God and our need for Christ, not just our kids' need for Christ, but ours as well. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Katie, because I don't ever want my teachings to be grounded in anything other than Jesus and our need for Him. And it's the Word of God that keeps that in the forefront of our minds and hearts. And let me just say, I have zero wisdom to offer on my own, because I know without a doubt that the only true wisdom that gives life for us and our kids is found in God's Word. But we have to be aware that the enemy comes as an angel of light, and he counterfeits that wisdom. And he's so crafty in the way that he does it that it can appear right. But in reality, it's a worldly wisdom that ultimately leads to destruction. So that's why we always want to look to the Word of God, because all other ground is sinking sand. And when I sometimes fell into the trap of parenting the way the world tells us to parent, I found out just how quickly that sand could sink. (laughs) You see, the way the world tells us to parent will fail because it's not true wisdom. 1 Corinthians 3.19 tells us the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, but we know the wisdom of God is flawless. It's life-giving because it brings about a change of heart, not just a change of behavior. So it's God's Word that we always want to turn to. But we also need to keep in mind that apart from Jesus working in us and through us, we're not able to live in the wisdom that He offers because on our own, we aren't capable of righteous living. None of us are, which is why we also desperately need the grace of God, which thankfully Jesus offers us freely through His work at Calvary. And let me tell you, I'm so thankful for that grace every day. Well, probably more like every minute. (laughs) 
Katie, if you'll remember, Ronnie and I went to the beach a few weeks ago, and I think I told you that we wound up going during Thunder Beach Week <laughs> going on when we were there, which let me just say, if you ever want to go to the beach to rest and be quiet, that is not the week to go. Oh, no. There were over 50,000 motorcycle people there, and I think they wow. were all trying to see who could rev their engines the loudest. <laughs> Oh, don't go that week. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I actually spent several hours and we had had enough of all the motorcycle revving. revving. We actually stayed in the condo a couple of days to, and put a fan at the door to blow out. <laughs> so we actually wound up spending several hours in the condo one day preparing for this podcast on kids sharing and where I looked up um, and meditated on all these scriptures on selfishness and putting others first. And then that same night when Ronnie and I went out to, for dinner, I struggled with obeying the very commands I'd been reading about and meditating on all day. Okay, so you have to tell us this one. Okay, Katie. So why is it that you're always asking <laughs> me to share these stories that make <laughs> me look bad? <laughs> you better watch out, Katie Morgan, because I'm going to turn those tables on you one of these days. Oh, yeah. I don't have any bad stories. None. Uh, not one. <laughs> all right. So let me, first, let me just preface this story by saying that Ronnie and I aren't big dieters. And so one of the ways that we try to maintain um, a, a good weight is through portion control. So when we go out to eat, we always try to share an entree instead of ordering two. And sometimes the restaurants are willing to split it for us. And then sometimes they just bring out an extra plate and we have to split it ourselves. So there we are sitting in Captain Anderson's in Panama City Beach. Oh, I love that restaurant. I know. It's so good. Too. It is. My parents actually started taking me there before I could even crawl. And my kids grew up going there. So it's definitely a a beach tradition for our family. Mm -hmm. So Ronnie and I are sitting there when the waitress brings out this big juicy platter of grilled based shrimp in their garlic butter sauce that I absolutely love. Now, I love their <laughs> shrimp too, but my favorite part about that meal is dipping those homemade rolls in that sauce. So the problem was is that they didn't split it for us, which meant that only one of us would get that original plate that was swimming in the sauce while the other would have to just rake some shrimp onto that empty plate. And so I look over and the first thing I notice is that the spoons were really small, which meant whoever got that empty plate would only get just a few drizzles of the sauce. So the battle of the belly became the battle Battle of the heart, do I selfishly take the plate swimming in my favorite garlic butter sauce or do I put Ronnie first and offer him the best plate? So which one did you take? I don't have to confess my sins to you people. <laughs> That's between me and Jesus. <laughs> but I will say I'm thankful every single day for the mercy and grace of God. Oh, that's right. Uh, if, but if we're honest, you know, being selfish and not putting others first is an ongoing battle for most of us, if not all of us, no matter what age we are. We can never completely measure up to God's standards, but thankfully, Jesus has covered our sins and our righteousness is found in Him mm -hmm. and not our willingness to share. That's <laughs> we, right. We all need Jesus, and that's the most important thing that we want our children to understand, no matter what they're struggling with. We want to point them to the Word of God as their standard for living, but at the same time, we have to also help them understand that they can't measure up apart from Christ's work in their lives. And when they blow it, and they will blow it, just like we do, mm. because none of us are righteous, we want to help them understand that they are fully forgiven and atoned for through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that means that they don't have to live in guilt, and they don't have to live in condemnation. Mm. Romans 8 
Romans 8, 1 tells us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Katie, that's just the best news any of us will ever get. Mm, That's so right. And Ginger, I can identify with your butter story, though garlic butter isn't my particular struggle. (laughs) I struggle with sharing my time. Mm -hmm. And as a mom, and especially a homeschooling mom, I feel like I have four shadows behind me all day long. There's my own shadow, and then the three others behind me say, hey, mom, what are you doing? Where are you going? What's that? <laughs> yep. Why are you eating my Halloween candy? I mean, it's exhausting. <laughs> and the more they seem to want my attention, the more I just want to hide in my closet eating their Halloween candy. So <laughs> I can really identify with the struggle we all have to share. And so I'm just really excited to hear your thoughts on the topic after you, um, you know, wipe garlic butter off of your chin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you busted me. And actually yeah. took two napkins and a wet wipe before I confessed. <laughs> You know, as far as the wisdom of God's Word when it comes to parenting, I've heard so many parents complain that it seems like the Bible really doesn't have that much to say about the actual act of parenting and that it's not helpful for dealing with specific struggles that kids face, uh, like today's topic on sharing. But when we help our children figure out the sin issues of the heart that that outward behavior derives from, then you better believe God's Word addresses it because Mm. God is concerned with the issues of the heart, not just the outward behavior. One thing I like to remind parents of often is that if we can reach the heart, then the behavior is going to take care of itself. So we Mm. always want to go from the behavior to the heart, and then we can see what God's Word says about it, and um, and then we can address it from a biblical perspective, while keeping in mind that it's not our words, but God's Word and God's Spirit that actually brings about change. Mm. All right, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty and the how-to when it comes to getting past the outward behavior, like you said, just pulling out the issues of the heart and addressing them from a biblical perspective. I think our listeners would really like to know how this sort of training might play out in the day-to-day struggles that kids have with issues like sharing. You know, I don't recall the Bible addressing the issue of sharing specifically, um, but I know that's a real struggle with kids, whether it's sharing with their siblings or even their friends. So how would you get past the outward behavior of a child who is not willing to share and address it from a heart-oriented biblical perspective? All right, let's say that Tommy and Billy are playing together when all of a sudden a fight breaks out over one particular toy. Now, the typical parent is going to arrive on the scene and express that well-thought-out parental wisdom by asking that tired old question, who had it first? Mm. (laughs) And then after going back and forth and mom playing detective for several minutes, Tommy and Billy finally agree that Billy did indeed have the toy first. So mom kindly insists that Tommy give the toy back to Billy. Now, I love how Ted Tripp, who is one of my favorite parenting authors, explains the problem with this sort of response. He basically says that the problem with that whole who had it first response is that it misses the issues of the heart. Because if you think about it, who had it first, that's an issue of justice, And the justice in this situation operates in the favor of the child who has the quicker draw in getting the toy to begin with. So if we look at the situation in terms of the heart, the issue changes. The issue at hand is selfishness in the hearts of both of the children. Both children are displaying a hardness of heart toward the other. Both children are saying, I don't care about your happiness. I'm only concerned about myself and I want this toy. I will have it regardless of what that means to you. (laughs) I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. 
There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. <laughs> and he said, well, I never noticed that before. <laughs> And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. Ted Tripp is also one of my favorite parenting authors, and his thoughts on this are just really helpful because it's so much quicker and easier just to figure out who had it first so I can go back to scrolling Instagram. I mean, folding clothes or, you know. <laughs> yeah, now you're busted. <laughs> yeah, they're scrolling Instagram instead of folding clothes. Yeah, probably. So, all right. So in this situation, in terms of issues of the heart, you have two selfish children. Mm. Two children who are basically preferring themselves over the other. And again, all behavior is linked to a particular attitude of the heart. And in this case, it is selfishness that is bound up in the heart. And it's this sin that that outward behavior is drawing from. Now, Katie, I'm sure our listeners are expecting us to give them the answer as to how to handle this sort of conflict. Right. I mean, that's why <laughs> you're tuning in, right, on this podcast, so that you can get some answers for how to address these issues with your kids. Mm-hmm. Well, I can certainly explain how I handled it in my home, but, you know, I really can't say that it's the only way or even the best way to handle it. I know for my children, I found that it was the most practical way that I could address an issue of the heart and simplify my method and and promote peace. Like I said, both children are being selfish, but when it comes to sibling sharing, I just wanted a plan of action that I could use every time this sort of situation occurred. I wanted a solution that would be really easy for my young kids to understand and to be able to put into practice on their own. Yes, that is exactly the sort of training we want to implement because methods that are easy for them to understand and put into practice on their own means that you know, mom doesn't have to spend as much time playing referee or dad. You know, we don't have to spend as much time as parents trying to figure out all this mess and untangle it. That's right. And, you know, and one of our goals in parenting is to teach our children how to govern their own behavior in accordance with what God's Word has to say about it. And you're right, taking time now to train them in how to handle these issues, how to govern their own behavior, once they get it, that's going to save us a lot of time in the future. And then we get to retire from that referee position a little bit sooner. <laughs> so in this in this situation of sibling sharing, again, I just wanted a simple plan that my kids could implement on their own. So in our home, I came up with a rule that it is not only selfish, but it is rude to take or even ask for something that someone else has until that person is obviously through with it. Okay, hang on a minute, Ginger, because I want to highlight this. It blew my mind the first time I heard you speak about this. I never considered 
that even that act of asking for the toy is something we should address. So help us understand that a little bit better. Okay. But first, let me just reiterate that this this isn't the only way to handle it, but it did work really well for my kids. So this is what this rule looked like in our home. Let's say that Wesley, my son, when he was younger, let's say he's playing with a toy. Now, when Alex, my daughter, when she was younger, if she wanted that toy, she would just pretty much do the younger kid thing and just try to snatch it away. (laughs) But after she got a little bit older, she became a little bit more clever with her tactics. She would very sweetly and very politely ask, Wesley, may I please have that toy now? (laughs) Well, whether she attempted the younger or the older method of getting the toy, Wesley would be equally as frustrated because he's enjoying playing with it. So I would ask Alex some very simple, heart-probing questions to help her think past her own wants and evaluate her own heart. And I'd usually respond with something like, "Um, honey, Wesley has that toy right now. Do you think he's enjoying playing with it? And she would think about it and she would say, yes, ma'am. No, wait, let me just back up a little bit. Obviously, I'm from the South. And <laughs> and in the South, a big majority of kids are taught to say ma'am and sir. And I do realize that is just a Southern thing. But I am fully aware that that's not the norm in other parts of the country. I actually learned this lesson the hard way many years ago when I first started out speaking. One of the first big events that I was invited to speak at was at Saddleback Church in Mission Viejo, California, where Rick Warren was the pastor, which I believe at the time was the largest church in our country. And it probably wasn't the best thing that this Alabama girl's first big speaking event was in California. (laughs) Because for me, I mean, seriously, it was like going from Earth to Mars. But the Lord does have a sense of humor. Yes, he does. And so, but yeah, let me just tell that story. It was really funny. I was, um, I, I was speaking. I was probably about halfway into it, and I got to some scenario where I was given a personal example, and um, I, I said that one of my kids responded to my instruction with "Yes, ma'am," and Katie. I mean, I lost the whole audience. They were all shrugging their shoulders and looking at each other and whispering. And I thought, what in the world did I, they didn't hear a word I said for the next (laughs) five minutes. And so after I was done speaking, I was back at my book table and this group of moms comes back there. And one of them said, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And she said, are you guys in the military? (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, why, why would you think we're in the military? And she said, well, because your kids say ma'am and sir, and that's just so military. And so I definitely <laughs> learned the hard way that that is, uh, that's not the norm. So all that to say, please understand that it is not a biblical mandate that kids say ma'am and sir. But that's just, as we do these podcasts and I give these personal examples, that is just naturally going to come out of my mouth because mm. I am Southern and my kids are Southern and there just ain't no hiding Southern. <laughs> Wait, Ginger, you're Southern? I would not have guessed that at all. <laughs> yeah, I get that all the time. You know, I'm not really one to talk, though, because I'm a, I'm living in Birmingham right now and getting ready to move back to Georgia, so <laughs> I've got my own accent. Okay, but back to using questions to help Alex evaluate her own heart. Okay, so I've already said, uh, you know, Wesley has that toy right now, and I've asked her, do you think he's enjoying playing with it? So my next question was, do you think it would make him happy or sad if you took it away? She Mm. thought for about a second. She said, sad. So see, I'm helping her take the focus off of herself and her own wants and to consider how her brother might feel about it. Mm. And I also wanted her to see uh, from a biblical 
point of view. So my final question was, do you think it would be kind or rude for you to take away something that your brother is enjoying? And she said, it would be rude, Mama. And I said, that's right, Alex. And love is not rude. When Wesley is through with it, obviously through with it, and puts it down, then you may ask for it. I love that. Uh, so in a nutshell, it, it goes back to the three-step plan that you offer in all of your parenting books. Step one being the thought-provoking questions to get to the heart issue. Step two is what to put off, um, which in the case of not sharing is being selfish and rude. And step three then is what to put on, which is being others-oriented and showing kindness. That's right. And you know, we're not only training their hearts, but we're also preparing them for adulthood. And when you think about it, this is just common sense. This is the same sort of behavior that we would expect from adult friends or adult Mm -hmm. siblings. Let's look at it like this. Katie, if I were sitting across the table from you and someone handed me some photos to look at that you were also interested in looking at, would you wait until I was finished to ask for those photos? Or would you ask to take them away when I had only just begun to enjoy looking at them? Well, I would want to take them, but I would wait. I would actually wait. (laughs) Of course you would. That's why I chose you to be my co-host, because you're not rude. Well, good. (laughs) Most of us would agree that it would be rude to ask for those photos before I was finished. And 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love is not rude. So in these type situations, I found that it was a really great opportunity to work on uh, teaching my kids to put off being selfish and rude and to put on an attitude of love and kindness. Mm -hmm. And you see, these are issues of the heart that are addressed in God's Word. God's Word always gives sound, practical advice when it comes to what it means to have Christ-like character. We just have to get past that outward behavior and figure out the issues of the heart, and then we can look up what God's Word has to say about it. And again, this is how I handled this in our home. I'm, I'm sure that there are other ways, probably even better ways to handle it from a biblical perspective. But whatever the method, I do encourage that our first objective in correction should not be to tell our children how we feel about what they've done or said, but to really try and draw out the cause of the behavior. That's the example that Jesus set. He often asked thought-provoking questions to help people evaluate the sin in their own hearts. So you can see how it worked in that scenario. Rather than just asking that tired old question, who had it first? (laughs) I attempted to draw out the attitudes of the heart by asking just a few heart-related questions. So, you know, since the scripture says that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, we must understand and we must help our children understand what is going on inside them. That's what's important. Ginger, I want to go back and say something again that you said because it's so helpful and very much against my instincts. Um, You said that we shouldn't necessarily lecture our children on how we feel about what they said or did, but that we should should ask heart-probing questions to teach them how to understand the underlying cause of their behavior. That is just incredibly helpful and honestly very convicting um, as we seek to teach our children how to apply God's Word in everyday life. So, Ginger, can you offer us a final word of encouragement about how to react when our kids won't share? Sure. When we see kids fighting over toys and not sharing, we have we need to look at it like this. We have a valuable opportunity to teach them what God's Word says about being kind and about putting others first. And even more important, their need for Jesus to redeem 
their natural bent towards selfishness. So when we're presented with these opportunities that might be frustrating in the moment, let us strive to instill the life-giving truths of God's Word into the hearts of our children and to point them to Jesus, who is our only source for help and hope. Thank you so much, Ginger. This has been just so helpful and encouraging. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever it is you're listening. And also, could we ask a favor of you? Uh, Maybe while you're sitting in your closet eating your kids Halloween or Valentine's candy, could you hop online and leave us a rating or review? It really helps us get the word out so we can encourage as many families as possible. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. Ginger's resources are excellent for helping parents get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her Wise Words for Moms chart and her best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, go ahead and check out her newest parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue. And you know what? We'll go ahead and offer that one at a 10% discount too. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. There we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions and you know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net.